I am super excited about my guest today. It's Mark Normand. Um, I am a huge fan of his comedy. I've gotten to know him really well over the past couple of years because he's been touring with Bert for a while. And I absolutely adore him as a human being. And he's so funny. He has a new special out on Netflix called Soup to Nuts. I've watched it twice. It's hysterical. There are so many jokes. I, I think I laughed every single minute. I think I was tired by the end of it. I laughed so much. So please check it out if you haven't already. Soup to Nuts on Netflix. Mark and I talked about comedy. We talked about living in New York. We talked about getting mugged. We talked about getting married. He's not even been married a year yet, so I wanted to talk about that. Talked about him growing up in New Orleans, um, about his nanny growing up, which is a, a, a interesting story in and of itself. So I enjoyed this so much. Uh, thank you, Mark, for coming in, and I hope you enjoy it too. This this episode of Wife of the Party with Mark Norman. Watch his special Soup to Nuts on Netflix. Not yet. November will be a year. November. When did we start? We started. Oh, we did. Oh, sorry. How do you like being married? I I mean, I like it because it it just, uh, you don't have to worry about it. Because I'm a big, insecure queef. You know, I'm like, (laughs) does she like me? I still, if I don't get a text back, I'm like, oh, she hates, the the divorce papers are coming. (laughs) Here we go. I'm such a nervous Nelly that uh, uh, marriage just kind of goes, all right, the papers are signed. I can stop worrying about her not liking me. She's awesome. Good egg, lucky guy. For real. She's yeah. super grounded. Yes. Right? Yes. You know, you don't want one of those those wives who's like always hungry or cold or tired. Those <laughs> are the big lady three. I'm tired. And you have to go into your friends at the party and go, she wants to go. And they're like, you, you, you know, you stay. I'm like, shirt, I gotta go. Right? I never wanted to be that that boyfriend or husband. Yeah, well, I think to be married to a comic, you have to be like almost in some ways like an air fern, right? <laughs> Always there, don't yeah. need a lot, right? But low maintenance, yeah, low maintenance, just kind of and easygoing and yeah. laid back and understanding, right? Patient, mm. not humble, not yep. much of an ego. Yep. You are the archetype. Well, I don't you, know about that. Well, you have the hardest of all the jobs of all the wives. You have the hardest one. I don't know about that. It's you and like Greg Giraldo's wife. Oh, you know? God. Well, but, I think mine's a little less hard than that. <laughs> well, she got out easy. Uh, You're still going. Sheesh. No, I'm joking. But it's yeah. pretty easy to be married to someone who is um, like inspiringly funny. You yeah, know, like Bert really is inspires me. He's really I'm in awe of him sometimes. Oh, we all are. You know how he writes mm-hmm. and where he comes up with what he talks about. It it just because obviously a lot of what he talks about I lived. Yeah, in some degree, and to go wow that 
I didn't see that like that at all. But you're right. That's exactly what happened. But I would never have thought, oh, yeah, people want to hear this or this would be funny. Or- exactly. It was shows his experience when we were in, I think, Oklahoma City on the fully loaded. Uh, one of the daughters got hit by a car. Yes. On a bike. Yes. Or hit a car or whatever. And he just talked about it in an arena. Uh-huh. And it was killing. And it happened like the day before. Uh, that was crazy, right? Yeah, it was incredible. That That's like real experience of being a comic. It, it's really cool to watch the whole the whole ride with Bert's been really cool to watch. Yeah, I was not in the world of comedy. I had no interest in. I'm not one of those girls that dated a bunch of comics or. Mm-hmm. I, I wasn't like that. A chuckle fucker. No, not a chuckle fucker. That's a funny term though. That's really funny. No, I just kind of we met bowling. No and, way. Yeah, we met bowling. Yeah, we had um, some friends that were all couples. Got bowling night with all their single friends. Mm-hmm. So there were like couples versus singles. And yeah. he and I were on the singles team. Wow. And I asked him out. And I was Whoa. like, oh, comic? I'm not marrying a comic. Yeah. Like, we'll date for a little bit and then we'll be friends forever. Sure. I'm definitely not marrying a comic. I mean, I'll be broke the rest of my life. <laughs> this is going to, you'll never be home. Forget it. And then. And when you see a young Bert, you're not like, he's going to be a zillionaire. No. This guy's never going to make it. No. He's fun. He's cute. But he ain't. This guy's not going to be owning a couple houses in Hollywood. I don't know. I did kind of feel like not like that, but I did kind of go, there's something really special about him. Like his mm-hmm. energy is infectious. That's true. And his positivity is just brilliant. Mm-hmm. And that is so contagious. And um, that is what you want to be around. He's so magnetic in that He's way. He's very magnetic. We went to Europe and I'm hung over all the time with him. And I want to just lay in bed and cry and eat and then, you know, jerk off. But he's like, come on, we're hitting the elliptical. And he's got a Bud Light on the elliptical, shirtless, in a hotel. And I'm like, this guy's an animal. He's older than me. And he just killed me. He went skiing. You know, he one day he'll be like, I'll, I'll snowboard today. And then he's better than us at snowboarding. Then he goes back to skiing. And it's, it's pretty impressive. It's crazy. It's like being married to a party. Yeah. 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 But what about the downside? There's got to be some, some The downside. downside is um, he he is very self-focused. Sure, he's sure. He's not selfish. Right. But he's very self-focused. So sometimes you'll be like, hey, how about asking about my day? Yeah, and yeah. And then in the middle of me saying my day, he'll go, so I was thinking about this joke. And I'm like, motherfucker, I just asked you to ask <laughs> me about my day because I'm helping you help yourself right right in my relationship with you so he's not great at that and he's yeah. also you know all uh, i'm sure you know has all this anxiety and ocd mm-hmm. and i have no ocd or anxiety really no that's I'm, so cool to hear because that's all everybody they make their whole personality so yeah, it's nice to see someone like i got none of that shit i don't have i mean i have regular anxiety i get anxious sure. about things but You're i don't human. have i don't have I don't have anxiety. So it took a long time for me to um, figure out how to deal with his anxiety for myself. Mm. Right. Because when someone's in ang- like high anxiety, um, all the surrounding people can do is deal with that anxiety. Right. So right. you can't be like, well, this also sucks for me because yeah. you, it doesn't, you, you're, you don't exist in that world at all. Yeah. So it took me a long time to figure out I still exist for me. And I can exist for him in about 20 minutes, but I can't do it right now. Yeah. So a lot of like, you just got to hold yourself together and know that you'll get what you need a little later. And that's, right. that's not for everybody. It's a really hard skill. It kind of sucks. Yeah. In the and, moment. And I think everybody's very me, 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 especially out here in LA and, and show business. 
So to be the I'll step back, that's rare, especially now. I think everybody's narcissism has kicked up quite a bit. I think so. It's hard to do sometimes to to just kind of wait and hold mm-hmm. your feelings and then go, so remember when you were having that panic attack? Here's what was going on for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just exactly. say it at a time when he can hear it. <laughs> right, right. That's a skill set. I know a guy, he has, uh, his mom would adopt foster kids. Mm-hmm. So they, he always had extra kids in the house. And a lot of them had like AIDS or were poor or drug addicted parents. So he was like, I can't complain. This kid's got AIDS. Right. What the hell am I going to say? Oh, I got a tummy oh, ache yeah. or I want a video game. He's got AIDS. Right. And uh, that's that's kind of like Bert. Bert's got AIDS. Yeah. And you got to <laughs> and you got to just, I just hang have, tight. I just have post nasal drip. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's all I got going on. Well, have you heard that thing about marriage? Now that I'm married, I, I listen to all this help self-help horse shit. But it's pretty good about how there's the 50-50 syndrome, which is if you're at 80 percent and he's at a 20, like he's got mono or he's sick or he's busy you gotta use some of your 80 and you give him 60 or no you give him 40 yeah. and now he's up to 50 yeah you know and then if you're down in the dumps he's got to come in and give you some of his to get you both back at 50 that paradigm is, does not exist at my house <laughs> that paradigm is bert's always always got <laughs> always needs more of my 80 right right <laughs> that doesn't exist i don't know I often wonder, I never hope this, but I often wonder if I got like really sick, what would happen? Oh, you know God. what I mean? Like he would be great, I'm sure. Like I had COVID back in earlier COVID where you had to be in a room by sure. yourself. And he he did pretty good. He left me alone, which is what you're supposed to do. But I expected him to be like, hey, babe, where are the scissors? And you're yeah. like, dude, you've lived in this house for two years. You don't know what the scissors are? Come on. Yeah, right. But he didn't. He kind of, but he didn't really take care of me. Mm. He just handled himself without, yeah. me, which is not the same. Not the same. <laughs> not the same. Yeah, what the hell? But he does have a, he can pay for stuff. He can pay for stuff. He can. So he can pay a nurse to come in and watch it, but and he's take. not going to do it. I don't know if he'd be good at it. We'll see. We'll have That's to. Hopefully true. we won't ever find out. What about with the childbirth stuff? crying baby was oh, he in there with the, with the shirt off swaddling and swooning that took a minute i remember in the hospital so i had georgia and I had a really rough delivery really bad mm. um like i had a spinal uh they like uh pierced the epidermis of my spinal cord mm. so my spinal fluid leaked when that happens you have less fluid in your head so your brain is literally like banging around in your skull yeah and it's really excruciatingly painful to even just sit upright. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> Georgia's in the hospital crying. We're in the hospital and Bert goes, hey, are you going to get that? Ah. And I'm like, motherfucker, I can't even sit up. Wow. No, I think you're the one getting that. <laughs> oh, oh, I'll get that. And I think in some ways it was good because right from the first day he had to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Right. So yeah. and then for until until I was four and Georgia was six, I worked full time. Wow. So when he was not on the road, we couldn't really afford a nanny. Yeah. So he we only, it? he did it until he went, like if he had a, he was leaving on Thursday, we had a nanny for Thursday, Friday, oh. and then I had Saturday, Sunday off. And then he was like, got him up, got him to preschool, did the grocery shopping, picked him up after school, made dinner, did bath, did what? everything. Okay. So he can do it. He can do it. He just has to be pushed. Yeah. Wow. He has to be the only option. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Wow, that's it. It's kind of like uh, my brother was the biggest slob of all time. And then he moved into his own apartment. And I went over there once and it was spotless. 
because he never had to clean it. He right. figured out my mom, mom will do it if, if I don't. Yeah. But now that he had to do it, he had to do he it. He had to do it. You grew up in New Orleans, huh? Oh, yeah. What was Born that like? Not that you have any point of reference for growing up anywhere else, but New Orleans is a pretty specific city. It was weird, and, and my neighborhood was weird. So my, my vision of New Orleans is very skewed, I think. Why was your neighborhood weird? Well, we were the white family in the poor black neighborhood, and we lived in a giant house, and uh, everybody thought we were rich, and then we got broken into a lot, but we weren't rich. So then they were disappointed. <laughs> there was a lot of that. Did they leave a comment card <laughs> or something? How'd you know they were disappointed? Well, because there'd be a lot of scrounging, but nothing was gone. Because uh. they were just looking for money or jewelry or something. We didn't have any. <laughs> so... <laughs> Um, you'd lose a TV or a VCR here and there, but, uh, you could tell there was a lot of like, probably guys in ski masks, like, fuck, there's nothing here, you know? Waste of time. Waste of time, but still scary as a little kid when you, I'm literally upstairs in my bedroom and I could hear people downstairs scurrying and you're like, uh, are they going to come up here? Are they going to kill me? Are they going to kill my parents? So I think that's why I'm so nutty and skittish and I can't sleep Uh, and our alarm would go off. We had a big alarm, woo, 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 and uh, the alarm people would call you, and the code was Batman, uh-huh. which meant, like, we're safe. Uh-huh. But if you didn't say Batman, the cops would come. Right. Did the cops come? Cops came a few times. Mm-hmm. One time, the cops slept at our house. No. Or not slept, but, like, staked out overnight, because we kept getting robbed. We got robbed, like, three times in a in two weeks wow. or something. So the cops knew us, and they're like, we're going to send two guys to sit in your living room or your kitchen and wait. For these guys, just in case they come, we'll just get them. And as a kid, I was seven years old, like, this is so cool. There's cops downstairs. I pictured myself running downstairs and the guys are in handcuffs, you know. Turns out I came downstairs at eight in the morning. The cops left at seven. Everything was eaten. Oh, my God. They ate the whole, they ate every Pop-Tart, all the cereal. They they ate eggs. We got robbed again. Oh, my God. Yeah. (laughs) Or raped one of the two, right? (laughs) Yeah, they raped the kitchen. Holy cow. Yeah. That's super scary. I know. But, uh, yeah, it was a weird time. Then when I was like 14 or 15, we moved to a better neighborhood. It was too much. Sounds like a lot. It was a lot. It was a lot. And just like the the tension in the neighborhood. Like I was a skateboard kid, and that was very white Mm -hmm. back then. And there was a lot of like, get out of here with that skateboard. Or they would throw it over a fence or whatever it was. So it was... You know, we always talk about racism, but it's just it's just different. It's like yeah. whoever's different. You know, if it was all white and there was a black kid, that he would be messed with. And if, if you're the only white kid, you'll get messed with. It's just yeah. who's the odd man out. Yeah, totally. It's a different culture, too, even though different races have different cultures. Sure. You know, so uh, I know I remember my dad saying to me once, I've talked about this before, but one of my friends from high school who was black uh, died in a car accident. And I wanted to go to his funeral. And my dad said, don't do that. That's really rude because you're imposing yourself on their culture. Now you're going to make them take care of you. You're going to be the only white girl at this all-black funeral. Interesting. Don't do that. That's really rude. And I was like, what? And he was like, well, unless the family, like, said, hey, will you come? Don't just show up because, you know, in the South, you just show up somebody dies you don't have to be like hey will you come to the funeral they just right. in a town of 1600 people right you just show up and i was like well i would never have thought of it like that i wouldn't have either but he might be right he might but have something he there. might have been right and my dad wasn't like don't go to a black guy's funeral he sure. was it was sincerely like don't do that because then they're gonna be worried about you yeah and they need to be worried about themselves and their family and what they're going through so wow don't impose yourself like that smart uh, dad 
I, I guess. I mean, maybe he's a covert racist and that was his workaround, but I don't think so. I That's mean, it's a I think- pretty smart workaround. Well, I went to a black church a couple of times because I'd sleep at a friend's house and then we'd have to go to church in the morning, which was weird because I didn't go to church. So I'm going to, I went to church with a lot of friends, mm. but the black church was wild. Yeah. Just the singing and the dan, the getting up and boy, you feel out of place. I'm like clapping <laughs> off rhythm, you know? It was really bad, but uh, I, it was cool to see. How do you think growing up like that informed your comedy or did it? Uh, Well, in New Orleans, people are funny. It's like a funny town. It's uh, almost like Boston where just like, or New York where everyone's kind of funny. So comedy doesn't really live there. It's it, like comedy clubs don't last in New Orleans. Because everybody's funny. Everybody's funny. And you want to go see music. You want to get drunk. You don't want to listen to a guy be like, so uh, cereal's weird, huh? <laughs> you know, what's, what's the deal with lamps or whatever joke you're doing? So uh, they don't want to sit and listen to that. They got stuff to do. They want to party. They want to dance. They want to shuck and jive. So, and then we're all funny. We were all funny. A lot of laughing as a kid, a lot of ball busting. We made a lot of videos, like comedy sketches. Uh, so that really helped me. And comedy was huge. We all watched SNL. We watched, you know, Chris Farley and, you know, all that stuff. So, uh, yeah. And my dad was a huge joke nut. So he would send me Yogi Berra jokes. Like no way. And I feel like that was a big part. Of Wait a minute. Up. Hold on. I met your dad. Yeah. I talked to your dad and your mom for a long time. He's a joke nut. I would not have guessed that. Well, we always, we didn't, a lot of dad and sons bond on sports. We didn't really like sports, uh, but jokes we both liked. So we How kind of honed in on that? that. Yeah. Also, jokes were a bigger thing when I was younger. Like you, you see a guy and he goes, Got any good jokes? No uh, any good jokes? Like uh-huh. you got a Michael Jackson joke or Christopher Reeves would fall off a horse and you had a joke about that. Like people just tell you jokes because mm-hmm. you didn't have a phone to stare at. So guys would sit around and tell, oh, you know, you heard this one? You ever heard the one? Two, two Jews walking to a bar or whatever. Also in the back of my toilet, we had a big joke book, like a thousand and one dirty jokes. You know, Playboy had jokes in it. Mm-hmm. Jokes were everywhere. And now I feel like they're not. And maybe that's why comedy is so popular. That's a good point you're right jokes i had truly tasteless jokes yes and uh you're right people just told jokes all the time i wonder if people were worried about getting canceled or if there's right. no original thought or we just don't sit around on the back porch and shoot the shit enough like we did in the past i think that's what it is because you had to you had to socialize you were always with people mm-hmm. and now we're just looking at this you know it's true so that's why probably podcasts are so popular because we're used to for thousands of years of evolving we just told stories and hung out and uh, now we're like, oh, there's one awkward moment. Fuck that. I'll right? just go watch Netflix. You're canceled. Yeah, or that. Yeah. Which is ridiculous. It's all very silly because, like, I'll watch uh, 30 Rock. Tina Fey is really funny. And she'll have a blackface joke. And we all laughed at it in 2009 mm-hmm. or whenever it was. And now we're like, that's horrible. But you're like, so why'd we laugh at it then? Right. Have we all just gotten to be better people or are we all just scared, mm-hmm. you know, or a gay joke or whatever it is. Like, yeah. I, I don't, I don't, it feels very phony. It does feel very phony. It feels very um, shallow. Yeah. yeah. You know, the thing about what I find interesting, my, my trainer is African-American mm-hmm. and he is from New Orleans. Mm. Uh, partly. He, he spent summers actually half hour from my hometown in Georgia. With oh, wow. Family. And, but he grew up in New Orleans and some in Texas. And I love going to work out with him because it's a completely different culture than yeah. anything I've ever been in. It's fun. His whole family's there. It's in his house. So his his son is works out with us. I see his mom and 
And the stuff that they talk about is not stuff that I would ever hear. Right. And the music that he listens to is not music that I would ever listen to. And I freaking love it. Of course. It's good to mix it up. Totally. And he, the stuff he talks about, oh my God, he taught me this term. It's called, uh, it's called, um, what's it called? Um, shallow with the pussy. Do you mm. know what this means? Mm-mm. I was like. Is that a, a shallow vagina? That's what I yeah. That's what I said. He said no is for for somebody who uh, who um, is a slut. Oh, shallow with the pussy. Yeah, I uh, like that. I was like, I'm gonna t- totally use that term now. But it's something <laughs> in their culture, in the African American culture that he is in that I would never even know. And I right. got come home and I go, wait till you hear what I heard today yeah. from Mikhail. This is so awesome. Wow. And I don't know why. I mean, I don't use that term, but. I don't really talk about sluts ever at 53, but it's so funny (laughs) that we just can't appreciate other, you know, people in a way that is with levity and appreciation. Exactly. And poking fun is part of appreciation and levity. Well, I think a couple things happened. I think outrage got really popular. I think everyone has fucked up thoughts. I don't care who you are, Mother Teresa, whatever activist you all we all have fucked up thoughts we all see a certain race or a certain group and make a judgment call in our head whether it's right or wrong and i think some people have those thoughts so they feel bad about it and they have to overcompensate by yelling at you when you say shallow with the pussy right you know and uh and you can you can get points you know you get clicks for doing it so i think it's it's very uh, enticing for people Mm -hmm. to call you out for being a bad person but i think we're all gonna I know. Shitty at the end of the day. We're all selfish. Wife of the Party is sponsored by BetterHelp. I think BetterHelp is such a great uh, way to reach out and get some help you might need if you're having trouble in your life, if you're having trouble understanding yourself, if you're going through a period of grief or loss or loss of job or confusion about job. BetterHelp might be a good resource for you. Um, sometimes in life, we're faced with some tough choices, and the path forward is not always clear. I know I don't always have the right person to ask in my life. I've been in therapy for a long time, and my therapist is more than just a therapist to me. She's a mentor, and um, she's a mom substitute in a lot of ways. Um, you can lean on a therapist for career decisions, marriage decisions or or problems, parenting problems, money problems, um, loneliness problems. Therapy is a great way to get some support. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Let therapy be your map with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash wife today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash wife. Wife of the Party is supported by Care Of. Care Of is a subscription service that ships high-quality, personalized vitamins, supplements, and powders conveniently to your door every month. Personally, I drink protein powders every month, and so... This is a great way for me to get it right at my doorstep. If you want to change your life, you have to change your habits. With Care Of, you get the tools and motivation that make it easy to build and stick with a routine as you move from summer into fall. 
uh, here's how Care-of helped me uh, with a routine. My supplement packet comes in a boxed dispenser, and I sit it right next to my protein powder, which I put in my coffee every morning, so I can just pull every day's packet out and take the supplements. They're packaged together for me, so I don't even have to think about it. I pull out my packet, I open it up, I take it with my coffee that has protein powder. It's a great way to habit stack, as I just learned. Uh, and and Care Of makes that super easy. Care Of makes taking your vitamins on the go so convenient with individual daily packs that are perfect for travel. You just throw a few in your purse, your gym bag, or your suitcase, and you're set. Care Of's daily vitamin packs are made with plant-based compostable film to help limit the impact on the environment without compromising on the quality and safety of their products. For 50% off your first Care Of order, go to TakeCareOf.com. That's TakeCareOf.com and enter the code WIFE50. That way you'll get 50% off your first Care Of order by going to TakeCareOf.com and entering the code WIFE50. Your comedy, I mean, I just watched your special. I've seen you do stand-up so much, but were you worried about any of it? I was, yeah, because I'm a sensitive douche, you know, so uh, <laughs> people are like, hey, you're a racist, and you're like, what? How did we get here? I just made a joke, you yeah. know? If I was a real racist, I wouldn't joke about race. Totally. Because I would just be serious about it. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, so I'm worried people won't understand it's a joke and uh, just be like, you're a piece of shit, but nothing really yet, because I think if you're going to do darker topics, you got to have a big punchline. Uh-huh. That's the way to get out of it. Yeah. Well, that's, that's what I've always said to Bert. I never mind what he says about me as long as it's funny. Yeah. I can't be mean. It exactly. has to be funny and I can't be made to look like an idiot or an asshole. Sure. As long as it's really funny. And I, I love your special. It's so funny. Oh, thanks. Jeez. That means a lot. I laugh like every single minute. Not joking. Oh, I every try to minute. pump it out because I don't want people to get bored. I have a real fear of people getting bored. Uh, no chance. All right. There's no chance. Thank I, you. I watched it uh, a long time ago and then I watched it again last week. Um, and I was like, it just, it's like being on a train. <laughs> There's just like the express train where it just never stops. It's boom, 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 boom. Right. Boom, boom, thanks. Boom. It's yeah. Awesome. I appreciate it. I, I worked hard on it. So that means a lot. So I, why, why did you become a comic? What happened that you like, what were you doing before? This is something and you were like, I'm going to be a comedian. Uh, well, I, I always loved comedy. I just never thought I could do it. You know, you see Steve Martin or Seinfeld or Richard Pryor and you're like, that's like being an astronaut. How do you get there? How do you get on TV? But uh, I had zero going on. I was a loser. I was a drunk. <laughs> I lived in a house with five guys. We'd play beer pong and Where? poker in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Oh, okay. And um, we just had big parties and had a hot tub and tried to get a hook up with girls and get drunk. How old were you? Yeah, I was college. I was oh, 21, okay. 22. You were doing what you're supposed to be doing. Yeah. I thought you were like, oh, I was 29. And <laughs> no, no, but you know, my parents were always like, what are you going to do with your life? You know, you need, what's your major? What are you, what are you into? And I said, I'll be a filmmaker. So I took a, a summer off of Baton Rouge. And I went to New York Film Academy mm -hmm. and I kind of was like, yeah, this is fun, but it was too much collaborating. I want to just make it move on. You mm -hmm. know, you have to write it, you have to light it, you have to edit it. It was so much. And I started doing sets at night. I started doing stand up at night. And I was like, wait, this is it. This mm. is way better. And then I just finished film school, never thought about it again. And I just kept doing stand up, moved back to New Orleans, 
uh, after college and oh, phone book, comedy clubs, open mic. We drive to Texas. We drive to Florida. We drive to Alabama, uh, me and the other comedians. And I was like, this is it. And I moved to New York and I had nothing. I had so little going on that I had nothing to lose. Right. You know, which is kind of a it's a desperate, sad time, but also freeing. Mm-hmm. And I moved to New York. I got mugged three times in a year. Mm-hmm. I uh, I had no money. I got bed bugs. Oh, uh, God. The city tries to like spit you out. It you know, does. it's a really real shithole. Mm-hmm. And uh, but you know, kept going. That's awesome. I was a janitor. I moved furniture. I worked on a construction site. I pee. I tempt. I, I worked in a cubicle. I did it all. Wow. Yeah. And then here we are. And that's really cool. Hey, thanks. I think it's good for people to hear pre- how people get to where they are. Yeah, you know, I what's love your, that. What's your path? Because it's, uh, I did something similar in that I moved to New York because I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I, I went to an acting school there. Oh, for really? Meisner acting. And wow. while I was acting, figured out I'd rather write. Yeah. And uh, pivoted into writing. It took me a few years of kind of doing both. But then at a certain point, I was like, I don't want to be an actor. I actually don't. Every time I go to an audition, I go, she'd be awesome for this part. Yeah. I don't need to even read. Never mind. I'm just going to go home. <laughs> I don't want to do this. I'm just going to keep writing. You should cast. But no, no. I was just like, I just, not me. Yeah, Just yeah. not me. Um, but yeah, New York, I was the same. I got mugged twice. Really? Uh, yeah. Whoa, I, let's hear it. I was what happened? Fucking, one time I was going up the stairs in the subway, 34th Street. Now, I live there, 93 yeah. To 97. So that's before Disney bought 42nd Street. Yeah, yeah. That's when all of 42nd Street was peep shows. Okay. It was all triple um, X rated movie theaters. Oh, yeah. And peep show and prostitution. It was yes. rough Okay. when I lived there. So Disney bought it like right before I left. Ah. So it just started cleaning up when I moved to LA. Is this Giuliani time? No. Pre Giuliani. Yeah, I think okay. so. It was long, a long time ago. It mm-hmm. was. It was not pretty. Was it kind of fun and gritty? Because it was from very Georgia. gritty. Like I remember going to get Indian food. I'm from rural Georgia. I'd never had. I'd never had Chinese food. Mm. I'd never had Indian food. Mexican food was like a quesadilla. Right, right. That was it. So you know, in New York, you can eat anything. Yeah. So some friend, I, one of my one of my jobs. I had many jobs in New York. One of my jobs, our office. I worked in an office, like as a receptionist, we're going to get Indian food in Alphabet City. And I walked over, like stepped over a human being I was pretty sure was dead. Uh, just in the street. Yeah. It was super all heroin in those yes. days. It was bad over wow. there. But that's where the Indian food was. <laughs> so you just walk over a dead person, go get Indian food. You come out and you go, yep, sheet over that guy. I just stepped over him. That was pretty bad. Whoa. New York was rough then. And um, so what about the Kitchen mugging? was rough. So the mugging, I was leaving work. Uh, I waited tables at the Paramount Hotel um, in Times Square, and mm-hmm. I was going in the subway. I was going up the stairs, and this guy was going down the stairs, and he grabbed me in the pussy. Oh, no. He Donald Trumped you. He totally did. Whoa. And I beat the shit out of him. Really? I did. I grabbed him by the arm and started hitting him with my other arm and and wrenched his arm until I got him completely on the ground and beat him up no and then way. got on the subway and left. So that's not really a mugging. I guess that's more of an assault. That's incredible. <laughs> you won. I did. And then the second time, I was still working at that hotel, work breakfast. So I had to leave my apartment. I was up 80th in Amsterdam. I had to leave my apartment at like 5 
to get on the bus to go down to 42nd Street to work. And I started walking to the bus station, and this guy was sitting on a stoop, and I went, he's going to fucking mug me. No way. And as soon as I walked past him, he got up and started following me. And I went, "Ah, all right, I'm fixing to get mugged. Here we go. So he came up behind me, and he he had a gun. Whoa. And he said, give me your money. I want all your money. Hasidic guy? Yeah, exactly. No, he was Hispanic. Okay. But, um... Not to profile, but he was. And uh, I I had $17 because, you know, when you're in New York, you're so broke. Sure. And I took it out of my purse. Now, what, you want my fucking money? I'll give you my money. You know what I do for my money? I work for my money. You know what you do for your money? You rip people off. You're a piece of shit. Yeah. And I threw the money at him, and I walked to the corner, two blocks up to 82nd. Mm -hmm. Halfway is the police station, one of the police department, when I just got mugged on 80th. Got in a cop car, went right back around the block, and had him arrested. No way. Yep. Wow. I was like, fuck you. Give me my $17 back. Hell yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're a hero. You beat up one guy, I and then you got, your, you got another guy arrested. I got the other guy arrested. Hell yeah. I don't remember if they gave me my money back, but I definitely yeah. got him arrested. I wow. was like, fuck you. I worked so hard to just live in this city a yeah. little tiny, weight, 100 pounds, a tiny little white girl. Right. Come on. Hell, you brought that Southern charm up there and and kick some ass. I was also an angry person, I think, at that point in my (laughs) life. So I was like, they were messing with me. The city does that to you. It brings the evil out of you. Yeah, I got uh, robbed. Forget about the mugging. I came home one day. My door was wide open. And there was a, uh, I opened the door a little more and a chair fell over. I don't know what that means. I think he was like, I'll block the door with a chair. But my door was wide open. I was like, oh, no, I got robbed. I go in my apartment. Everything's there. Laptops there. TVs there. Computers there. I'm like, huh? But I had one drawer. I had one drawer. I kept all my valuables in. And he opened that one drawer. Took everything. I had six grand in cash in oh there from my. just doing comedy <sighs> sets. I'd throw the money in. You know, twenty here, forty there. And I had like a couple of bags of weed in there. I had a brass knuckle. You know, some cool. I had a Playboy. You know, it was like my fun guy drawer. Took everything. Oh, man. And they caught the guy, but I never got the money back. How did he get in? He came in through the window. Fire no. escape. Yeah, like Spider-Man. Wow. Yeah. it's a, it's a, a. And he walked over my, my window was next to my bed. So he had to walk over my bed. You see the footprints. It's very violating. It is. You know, and then that drawer was wide open and just empty. Oh. He got everything out of there. And they got one fingerprint off the guy and uh, they caught him. That's crazy. Crazy. But you can't claim cash. I can't be like, oh, he took, because I could just say any number. $50,000. Exactly. So oh, I never got it back. what a bummer. I know. What about the mugging? Well, they're pretty wild. One, I was a big booze bag. A couple of them were my fault. One, I was in Hell's Kitchen, and I was so drunk, I left this bar, and I just said, let me sit down in this little doorway, kind of in, in an apartment building, a little alcove, three steps down. Let me just take a little nap. I was so hammered. Oh, my God. I woke up to like four or five guys going through my pockets. And I went, oh, and they go, one of the guys was, he's getting up, hit me. And I went out again. Oh, my God. So I woke up. My my joke book was gone. My money was gone. My phone, my keys, my pen, everything was gone. Oh, geez. He's like, you need to take my pen. But all right. Now some guy's doing my act. Um, <laughs> but yeah. So uh, by the way, when you have no wallet or money or anything, getting back home is tough because you right. can't you have your metro cards gone now you can't buy a metro card so i just had to jump the turnstiles go home beg my buddy for uh you know 20 bucks and i had to buy everything it was it was brutal what a mess yeah it was a mess C- the craziest one is uh i was 
living way out in Crown Heights, which is like deep Brooklyn. And I went a couple stops past my stop because I fell asleep on the train drunk. And I get out and I said, I'll just walk it. It's like five stops. It'll probably be like a half hour walk. I can do it. It's four in the morning. I see a couple of thugs on the corner shooting dice, like out of a movie, drinking 40s, you know, throwing money around and being loud. And I said, let me cross the street. And I walked across the street away from them. And an older guy with a white beard, older black guy, big guy, he goes, I had an iPod on. That's how the year it was, the iPod. Uh-huh. And he goes, uh, give me that fucking radio. And I was so drunk, I go, it's not a radio. Because it was an MP3 player. So I was a real nerd. And he goes, uh, all right, that's it. And he just starts yanking at the cord. And I think he was on something, too. And I'm yanking it back. And then he just picks me up, like at a movie, lifts me off my feet, and starts slamming me <gasps> against this, you know, when the, the business closed, the metal gate? Uh-huh. He's slamming me against it. It's like going, pow, pow. It's so loud, that metallic pow. And I'm kicking him. I'm punching. My feet are dangling. And I'm punching this guy. I'm freaking out. I don't know. I think I'm going to die. Before I know it, those guys, those thugs who I judged and and uh, profiled, they run over, pull the guy off me, start beating the shit out of him. I mean, kicking him in the face. He's on the ground. They're just wailing on him. I grab my iPod and I run home. Oh, my God. I said, thank you. I didn't know. I was so scatterbrained. I was like, ah, thank you. And I ran out of there. How scary. Scary. I talked to a cop later. He said, those guys are probably drug dealers. They can't have a white kid getting killed in the neighborhood. That's going to ruin their whole business. Oh. And there you go. How crazy. Crazy. And that was, that was like, I was like in New York a week, two weeks. Oh, my God. I know. That's great. Oh, thank you. Oh, look at that. It does? Is it Very nice. You guys are doing really well. Keep it up. Oh, I didn't know you were listening. Are you watching? That's uh, embarrassing. That's embarrassing? Wow. I thought we were in a little bubble here, a safe space. We are in a bubble. Turns out they're probably mocking us on TV. No. All right. They'll mock us later when we let it release <laughs> it. That's so crazy, huh? Yeah, yeah, New York, man. But people always say, oh, why didn't you quit? You should have quit. I'm like, what else am I going to do? I'll exactly. Keep going. You know, there's a part of you, I think, when you live in New York like that, it you will not let it break you. Yeah. Like, I was at that point, I was like, Fuck the city. Fuck everybody. You will not break me. Yeah. I will leave of my own volition. Right. You're not running me out of here. Well, I don't know. I had a lot of friends move. Yeah. Well, I moved, obviously. Oh, okay. But I moved because I was like, oh, well, I grew up in Georgia and I grew up for a lot of it in rural Georgia on a uh, mostly on a farm or in a log cabin on like 20 acres of land. Yeah. And the city, like I not having green was starting to make me depressed. Right. I was getting really down. Oh, and I found myself flying home a lot. And literally I would go home and drive to my dad's house and sit in the pasture. <laughs> really? And sit in the pasture at the river and just sit there. Whoa. And I thought to myself, I might actually like my psyche might need a little more nature. Yeah. And I never really found any great friends. You know, if I'd had like a communal connection that I felt was great there. That's tough. And I didn't. I had some I had friends, mm -hmm. but I didn't feel like super like these are my people. Yeah. You need that core group. That's what comedians were great. You find these other comedians and we really hung out, stuck together. But without that, New York is so lonely. It's so lonely. And I did it for four years. Wow, that's pretty good. It's a long time. And so after that, I was like, you know what? I'm going to move to L.A. I kept my apartment there. I sublet it. I was like, I'm going to I'm going to spend six months and I'm going to reevaluate. Mm. 
literally like the minute I got here, I started making friends. There you go. Christine Pierce downstairs is one of the first friends I made here. And she's still my friend. So I I was like, okay, well then end the green. And I was, you know, I lived at the foot of a canyon here and would hike all the time. And I was like, okay, this is, this is my deal. Mm -hmm. I never would have thought I would have been an LA person ever. I never would have coming from Georgia. People don't usually go from Georgia to LA. Right. Um, New York made more sense. You sure. Know, I, East Coast. It, totally. But once I got here and life started just kind of falling into place, then you go, well, then this is where I'm supposed to be. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. L.A., you hate to admit it. It's got all the stereotypes. Everybody's fake. Uh, the hobos, Skid Row. But when I come here, I did Whitney's podcast. Have you seen Whitney's house? It's amazing. It's insane. Yeah. She's got acres and acres and these these fucking hammocks out there. With the, every seat is is levitating because they're all on ropes, right? And you can just sit and rock. And she's got a fire pit, and I got a cocktail and the big dog. It's incredible. Yeah. And then you go to New York, and it's just man, man. Some guy throws jizz on you. There's a <laughs> pigeon gnawing at your head. A rat's on your foot. It's brutal. So LA, all I hear on the news is like the stabbings and the fentanyl and all the fires. But you come here and you're like, this is incredible. It's very livable. Yeah. LA. And the LA has so many different pockets. Like you could live in downtown LA and feel not the same as New York. Sure. But some similar. There's yeah. some similar parts. It's True. similar. Um, but like where we live, uh, is just super family. I mean, Bert, when we were living, when we were first married, we were living in uh, in Hollywood. And we couldn't afford a house anywhere except where we bought a house, which Mm. was over in the valley. And he kept going, I'm not moving to the valley. Uh, Losers live in the valley. There's no way. Literally, we'd been here like six months. And he was like, I can't believe it took us this long to get here. Like, you can park. Yeah. No one's honking at you. I know. No one's like in a mad rush for nothing. Exactly. People are just like regularly just driving over here. It's pretty nice. And you go, oh, that's better. If we want to go to Hollywood, you just 20 minutes and we're there. I know. It's not that hard. I was at Bobby Lee's apartment the other day or house and it's right on the hills and it's beautiful up there. Beautiful. That view. It's like nothing I've ever seen. Yeah. It's incredible. You think you'd ever not live in New York? I know. Well, see, I'm a city city kid yeah. through and through. So I love the city. Like the green thing, I have zero green thing. Yeah. It's the same with like dick. I don't need dick, you know? <laughs> uh, some guys are like, I like a little dick. I hate, I don't want any dick. And I feel the same about green. I'm like, I'm good. Yeah. I go to Central Park and I get it. Yeah. But uh, what so about May? She grew up, see, she's the opposite. I grew up in the city. She grew up in the burbs of Cape Cod. Oh. Cape Cod's a seasonal town. In the winter, it's just dead and quiet. And then in the summer, you go to the beach. But she likes the city because she hated the burbs. So uh-huh. we bond on that because I like the city because I grew up there. She likes the city because she hated her childhood house. Right. So we bond on that. And New York has that, I need that um, that pace mm-hmm. or I panic. Because if I moved out to LA, I'd look like Bert. You know, <laughs> I'd gain a bunch of weight. I'd drink more. I would be in the hot tub all day because it's just, it's so chill here. Yeah. And I couldn't, I wouldn't have anything. I wouldn't get anything done. Right. Smoke some weed, look at the sun, you know, maybe maybe hike once a month. But other than that, I would just never do anything. You seem the energy of someone who would live in a city. Yeah, I got to have that treadmill on. You do. You seem that way. And uh, aren't you neighbors with Matthew Broussard? Broussard? Aren't you uh, neighbors? We're moving to Brooklyn and we're going to move near him. So we'll, we will be neighbors. Don't you have cats that are friends or something? Yeah, uh-huh. we have a big cat and they have a little cat and they... He watches ours when he's out of town and I watch or, you know, 
when he's out of town, I watch his. He watches mine when I'm out of town. That's so funny. It's nice. It's a little cat swap. <laughs> That's really which funny. Which sounds super gay now that I see it. <laughs> Just two guys swapping cats. Maybe you should call it a pussy swap. Yeah. Shallow <laughs> with the pussy. <laughs> there you go. A little bit better. Yeah. So you drinking was a theme in a lot of the stories you told. I don't yeah. really see you drinking to that excess. You just don't do that, that anymore. Yeah, I got too many bad nights, too many. I woke up on the sidewalk once in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, and I was like, you know, pebbles on my face. And I was like, Ugh. I had a lot of those nights where you wake up, your wallet's just gone. Now you got to deal with that yeah. and be hung over. Too much of that. And uh, I got into a beat up once, uh, fist fight. My mom, I was in New Orleans. I got beat up at Mardi Gras Parade because I was too drunk. I was like peeing on someone's lawn. Oh, my God. And I had a giant whopping egg on my face, big black egg. And my mom was like, hey, you're in town. Let's get lunch. And I was like, I can't. I'm <laughs> sick because I couldn't face my mom with that that black eye. Right. So it, it just got too bad. And then business got a little better. And so I was like, if I keep drinking, I'll I'll lose this. Right. And I didn't want to lose the momentum. And. Like the fact that Burke could do it is he's like almost monetized it. Well, he's sort of, but he's not really like what you're describing. Mm. Like he's never gotten beaten up because he's been drunk. He doesn't like wake up and his wallet's gone. Yeah, he's good at it. He doesn't like there's whatever it is that he the volume of alcohol that he drinks doesn't seem to affect him. That's true. Like. Like the chemistry of it doesn't really work out. It's really impressive. It's really impressive because, and he doesn't change his personality. No, he's a happy he's, drunk. He's the same basic person, unless you upset him. And then he has a harder time in an argument when he's drinking, hearing anything other than right, what's going right, on for himself. Right. But, um, but yeah, he's that's not the same. I think when you've, I, because I've drank a lot when I was in college and I had similar experiences where I'd wake up and go, hey, how'd I get home? Yeah. Oh, wait, my window's open. Oh, yes. wait, there's my purse in the yard. Yeah, time travel. Oh, wait, and there, oh, and the car is in the parking lot with the door open. Oh, that's my, probably not great. My asshole's bleeding. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, not that. Oh, I was okay. not shallow with Me the neither. pussy while drinking. But <laughs> at the same time, when after enough of those, you go, what are you doing here? Yeah. Like, you need to, this isn't good. You're going to get yourself really hurt one day. Oh, 100%. I'm lucky to be alive. The drunk driving alone was wild totally i don't i was a i drunk i was a drunk driver i got arrested for drunk driving is that right i did i yeah. did not know that i did i was 20 whoa got arrested jail time for drunk. i did not do jail time um it was my first offense i paid a fine mm -hmm. um but i was in jail with my uncle who was also in jail for drunk driving hey, that's same a, time that's it's a family affair a small town right there <laughs> hey uncle it's, it's a small town i was like he called me leanimous and i was walking in <laughs> with the female officer and I hear Leanimous and there's only one person in my life that called me that and I was like oh my god it's my Uncle Terry hi what are you doing in here he's like drunk driving I'm like me too uh, that's great <laughs> hopefully never again that's... only only once and I was 20 so I figured my drinking shit out at like Actually, about 21, where wow. I went, well, I'm drinking a little too much yeah. for my health. I had I'm, health problems and stuff from it, too. But, oh, really? Yeah. So okay. I got it all figured out. I'm jealous of that. That's good. You got it out early. Like, Craig Fitzsimmons got sober at, like, 19 because he was such a bad drunk. And I'm like, man, how the hell would... I couldn't even imagine not drinking at 19. Well, I'm not sober. Yeah. But I was sober for, like, seven years because I was like... I, so many bad things are happening, mm. like getting arrested and shit like that and waking up with my not knowing how I got home 
and definitely blacking out a lot. Yeah, and same. Like enlarged liver, losing my hair. Like I was really Whoa. drinking. It was bad. That's why. But I went, I need to actually figure out why I'm doing this. Yeah. So I got into therapy to figure out why I was drinking. And then Good when I figured you. out why I was drinking, I was like, well, then drinking doesn't mean anything to me. Right. The drinking was about covering up pain and trauma. So if I just deal with the pain and the trauma in therapy, then I can just have a drink. And so, like, I don't have any problem with alcohol now. I, yeah. I drink, don't drink, don't care. Get Good drunk, don't get drunk, don't care. That's the best way to do it. You, you got to the root of it. That's I did. The key. Yeah, I got to the root of it. I mean, I'm still in therapy dealing with some of that stuff from time to time, but most of it's dealing with Bert. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm like, I'm so mad at him and he can't hear me say this. So I got to tell somebody. You got to tell somebody. Wife of the Party is sponsored by DraftKings. Step into a world of nonstop action on DraftKings Casino. Play the classics like Blackjack, which I love, Roulette, and Slots. Plus, enjoy exclusive games you can't find anywhere else. Right now, new customers can get a deposit match up to $100 in casino credits when you deposit $5 or more. All you have to do is sign up, select the offer, make your deposit, and start playing from a full suite of games. Your way is the only way to play on DraftKings Casino. Play online on your time, in your space, and within your means. It's safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you're ready. Download the DraftKings Casino app now, sign up with promo code WOTP, and new customers get a deposit match up to $100 in casino credits when you deposit $5 or more. Only on DraftKings Casino with promo code WOTP. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia. Please play responsibly. In partnership with Hollywood Casino and Charlestown Races in West Virginia. All games regulated by the West Virginia Lottery. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org 21 and over physically present in connecticut michigan new jersey pennsylvania west virginia only void in ontario one per opted-in new customer minimum five dollar deposit max match a hundred dollars in casino credits which require one time playthrough within seven days see terms at casino.draftkings.com slash players choice restrictions apply But anyway, that's good that you straightened it out. And that's, I like that reason that your business was going great. And you were like, you know what? Maybe I should. Yeah. And the hangovers were horrific. You know, I'm getting, you know, I'm 39 now. So once you hit 30, the hangovers really kick in. Then you start 35, start getting two day hangovers. And I couldn't, you know, the whole business, like talking, being on a podcast, being on, being on stage. And you just were less, the quality went down when I was hungover and I was like, I want the quality to go up. So right. I'll drink after the show. How about right. that? Or I'll drink one before the show. And that that's really the key. Cause I love drinking. So I don't want to abuse it. Right. You know, it's like kids. Totally. Don't want to abuse them. Yeah. Shouldn't bad call. Yes. Yes. You should not do that. So what, what do you just, I don't want this to sound shitty. I don't mean it shitty. Lay it on me. Do you just want to be a stand-up, or is there something else you want to do in entertainment? This is every agent's nightmare. I just want to be a stand-up. That's not a nightmare. For I think that's amazing. Is. You know why I think that's amazing? Because I think it allows you to have a very focused, fulfilling, rich life. Yeah. And 
I, because my husband's uh, aspirations are multifaceted. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I feel like, where's his rest? Where does he get to really like revel in what he's accomplished right. in this one lane? Because once that's accomplished, he's moved to another lane. He's got to go over in this lane. And sometimes I think that would be, I, I don't begrudge him any choices he makes. I think he's doing everything he should do for himself. But I, I am, I often think how cool it would be to just have that be your lane. Yeah. Well, he's like a drunk Kevin Hart, you know, where like <laughs> Kevin Hart is a, is a good, a funny stand up. And then he's got the movies. He's got a TV show. He's got a workout thing. He's got a podcast. Some people are just, they are just wired that way. And I just don't care. Like people are like, what, what's your sitcom? You grew up in New Orleans. You had a transgender nanny and all this. Like this is, and I'm just like, ah. Wait a minute. You had a transgender nanny? Well, transvestite. You did? Yeah. What's the difference between, I'm sorry, I'm It's a, basically a drag queen. That's awesome. It was, I, I was raised by a drag queen. I was ahead of the curve well, on that one. I can relate to you in that when my mom and dad divorced, my mom, I was seven, my mom moved me to Atlanta into the predominantly gay community. Yeah. So all of my neighbors were gay men couples. Ah, And then it was fa- in 1977. Wow. So that's the, but not, that, not transvestite. But I but, bet that was a great neighborhood. But gay not guys typical. Can, clean up a neighborhood like you wouldn't believe it was very safe yeah that's so crazy so no let me ask you this because i didn't this is how that affected me i thought gay was just regular mm-hmm. i didn't understand that in the world gay was a problem yeah because as my neighbors they were just my neighbors who happened to be a couple who happened to both be men right and there were multiple male male couples in my neighborhood so then once i grew up a little and understood this prejudice against gay people i was very confused yeah um and i i think it gave me some to- some like not tolerance but some tolerance is a bad word gave me like uh just a base level of not even acceptance. Like that's just the way the world works. You just love who you love. And that's just how it works. Mm. Like interracial, even when people had problems with interracial couples in the South, my uh, experience growing up with all these gay men, I think informed my opinion of that too. Cause in the deep South, I was surrounded by people who in the seventies and eighties were very much against interracial couples still. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't fucking get it. I, I don't get it. Like, either. I don't, Who I don't cares? get it. I don't know if it's because I had spent so much time in the gay community yeah. or it's just who I was, but do you have any, does that connect any dots for you having a transvestite nanny? Yeah. I mean, I just, it was just, you were a kid. So it was just, it just was what it was. You know, you weren't like, this is progressive. It was just like, well, oh, there's Enos. That was his name. And uh, Enos and, is such a southern name. I know, I know. Plus, Enos the penis that's what everybody <laughs> oh, called him. But uh, yeah, he wore a wig, a big black guy with a wig and high heels. And he taught me how to drive a stick, how to shave. Uh, he was like a tough dude, but he was a drag queen at night. He was burlesque, amazing. Yeah, he was a great guy. Crazy story. So, you know, I lived in this rough neighborhood. I've told this before, but uh, I got my bike stolen. These kids fucked with me and they, they were like older. I was 12. And they pushed me off my bike. They took my bike. I ran home crying. And then uh, Enos was like, what's going on? I go, ah, these kids took my bike. They were scary, whatever. And he goes, we're going to get it. And I was like, ah, I don't want to deal with it. I just don't want to face these kids. I'm too scared. And he's like, we're getting the bike. So he took my dad's van. We had a big panel van with a big sliding door. And he goes, get in. And I was so scared. I was like hiding in the, in the passenger <laughs> seat. Like, oh, I don't want them to see me. They're going to beat me up again. And... Uh, 
we ran or we drove around the neighborhood. We find these kids on a stoop taking my bike apart because they have to take the parts off so it doesn't look like mine or whatever they mm-hmm. do. And he goes, all right, you stay here. I'm going to go talk to him. And I was like, oh, don't go. I can't. You know, I'm freaking out. And he just walks up to these kids with high heels on <laughs> and a wig and some kind of makeup. And it, imagine like uh, like Ving Rhames in a wig. Right. You know, and these kids are going nuts. It's the 90s. They're like, ah, look at this motherfucker. You know, these faggot this, but, you know, going crazy. And they're, there's like six of them. And they're all just howling, laughing at this guy. And he goes, that's not your bike. And they go, what are you going to do about it? And they're holding tools. They got a ratchet, a wrench. And he's like, I'm going to take it. And I was like at the window, like <laughs> a little kid, like, oh, my God, this is crazy. They're going to beat the shit out of this guy. And he put his hand on the bike in the middle of it. And none of them did anything. And he pulled it. And they all just stood there. And he put it over his shoulder. And he walked back to the van, slid the door open, threw the bike in, closed the door. And we drove off. Oh, my God. And it was the craziest thing I've ever seen. That's it amazing. It was, like, it was too many things going on at once. It was like a, a overload. <laughs> it's like a rodeo clown yeah, showed yeah. up. It was like, I'm taking the bike. Taking the bike. And he took it. And they didn't do a goddamn thing about it. Wow. It was incredible. And I never rode the bike again. But uh, it was a good lesson. Well, where is Enos now? Well, he was killed in a... What? He, was, he went to Homa, Louisiana. My dad eventually gave him the van. And uh, so he would drive around doing these shows. Ended up hooking up with a guy in the van, and the guy thought he was a woman. I guess the guy was like oh, such a drunk no. hillbilly, whatever. And the dick came out, and the guy flipped, and he shot him. Oh no! So yeah, he got killed on a, you know, in a hookup. That's terrible. Terrible story, but a hell of a guy. That's terrible. We'll oh, that breaks my heart. Yeah, oh. it was a few. I was, I think, I was in college when it when it went down. Were you just devastated? Yeah, the whole family was like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Crazy story. No one saw it coming. And he had moved on, you know, for a few years by then. So it was like, oh, wow. It brought it all back. Yeah. It was a bummer. Oh, man. I'm sorry. Oh, well. That you know, stinks. The mean streets of Louisiana. That's just that's so shitty. Very oh, shitty. Man, oh, man. But I've pitched this show 900 times and everybody's like, oh, it's a little dark. I don't know. And I'm like, all right, fuck it. I'll just keep doing stand. Well, you got a you got a film degree. Just make it yourself. I think that's the move. I think that is the move. These industry, they're all cowards. They're scared to try. They make another Marvel movie or, or you know, a horror film. But like, this is a great idea, but they won't touch it. So interesting having uh, just the teeniest bit of experience in traditional Hollywood. I mean, the teeniest. I make no mistake. I know very little. But from what I have observed, just from being in the backseat of Bert's ride, mm-hmm. the there's a... You're in the passenger seat. Enough well, with the back. I'm the backseat for a lot of it, and I'm fine to be there. Okay. Um, but yeah, I, I find that creative, true creative people are really rare. Mm. And most creative people it, that I've observed are in the world of stand-up comedy. Oh, really? Yes, because you guys write, direct, edit, perform, perform everything. Yeah, good and point. So the level of creativity in that world, and it shocks me how little traditional Hollywood these days draws yeah. from that world and trusts yeah. that world. Yes. You know, because I know with the machine, they trusted Bert so much on that script yeah. and we thought that that is what should be happening of because course. the original voices the in the Hollywood talent. 
our stand-ups. Yeah, let the talent do their thing. It's like the only reason Curb Your Enthusiasm is, is still on the air. It's because it's just Larry David being Larry David. If, if some guy came in there like, I don't know, he's not very likable, we should change, like that, now the whole thing's ruined. Uh-huh. They always have this committee come in and give notes and it's, you're like, you hired me, let me be me. But huh, Absolutely. And they're all nervous about losing their jobs, but I feel like, and look, maybe I'm just dreaming, but maybe in the 90s, a guy would have a vision, you know, or a gal would be like, this guy's got something or she's got it. Mm-hmm. And they would champion this comedian or this singer. And now it's too risky. I agree with you. I think, and it's, uh, yeah, it's a different paradigm. It's a different model entirely today, especially with films. And yeah. there's so many streaming avenues. There's so many different ways to put something out there, whereas even in the 90s there weren't right, as many right. as there are now. And it just makes everything kind of diluted. Yes, and, yes. Um, and hard to get something original made, I think, for most people. Totally. Uh, I mean, even like Fully Loaded, there's comics on there who aren't doing great big things, TV, movies, but... Bert or whoever is like this is this is a funny lady or this is a funny guy, and he's doing more casting than these these uh so called producers. I agree. You know, but they have to be you have to kill it for ten years. They have to hear about you from eighteen different people. It has to be a very safe choice. Mm-hmm. But take a risk. Like you ever heard of New Faces? Mm-hmm. JFL just for laughs. New Faces was like New Faces. These people have something. Now to get new faces, you have to have eight TV deals, a movie thing, and and uh, and a million followers on Instagram. So they, they just it's two they're just pussies. They're shallow with the pussy. They are shallow with the pussy. And thought part of what we always wanted to do with Fully Loaded was to give Bert's audience or the audience for Fully Loaded an opportunity to find somebody they might not find because sometimes comics are harder to find. Yeah, you know if if they're not passing through your city or right. they have no reason to be passing through your city, then that was part of what we hoped people would come away from the festival with was that seeing somebody they maybe didn't know and can now seek that person out. Because stand-up comics, you guys I, I are just so inspiring. We just finished mm. Shane's special, and I've watched it. I think I've probably watched it. 10 times oh, now. Oh, Torres. And yeah, Shane yeah, Torres. Yeah, he's great. And I just every time go, this guy is so original and funny and I love his brain. And I watch yours and I go, I love his brain. Oh, thanks. I love the way that you present all of these points of view about things that are just so funny and dark and yeah. humorous and make you think. Right, And, right. you know, you force somebody to go, oh, that's ridiculous, but hey, wait a minute, I think I actually do that. You know what I mean? And then you go, well, maybe I shouldn't do that anymore. That's what comedy does if you, if, if you allow it to. Wow, so nice, because I, I think of comics as degenerate, I insecure, don't. depressed, no. weirdos. Well, maybe, maybe, but, but I mean, really, I like yours better. to me, they're just the most free people. Right, right. So... And some of that freedom, I think, is hard in the regular world. Mm-hmm. So they become depressed and degenerate and neurotic right. and OCD and sure. anxiety. And because they you just you just see the world through a different filter, and that is a gift to humanity. <laughs> However, it is. I swear to God, that's I just, how I feel. It's, it's a gift so to humanity. I feel like we get we get yelled at a lot. So it's funny to hear the other side. I don't, so it's, I, it's refreshing. I, the people who yell at you to me aren't interested in like maximizing their own growth potential. Wow. Because if you can watch a comic and let it affect you 
and really reflect on, and this sounds too deep, like now you're in a self-help like seminar to go to a comedy no, show. No, no, keep no, going, No, that's sister. not what I mean. What I mean is when you hear a joke that you think is hysterical and you laugh at it, but if you analyze that joke, it's like inappropriate or yeah, not PC. Yeah, of course. Then it, it allows you to kind of free your mind in a certain way. Right. And, and to also reflect on yourself and go, well, where am I being an asshole? Ooh. Because what he said is funny, but really what he's talking about, if someone really acts like that, then they're an asshole. Yeah, you know what I mean? yeah, totally. And, and look, some comics are just going out there and they want to say the N-word, but they're not getting laughs anyway. Exactly, because that's not funny. That's, yeah. that's not funny. That's mean. That's mean. It's not funny. There's no twist. There's no turn. There's no clever. But inappropriate. I mean, it's funny how like the most liberal people now have become so conservative. It's gone full circle. Like Crazy, right? I'm in Brooklyn and I'm doing a joke and they're clenching their pearls. And uh -huh. I'm like, you have blue hair and a right? nose ring. When did you become uh, Reagan's wife? You know, <laughs> it's like Nancy Reagan out here. Right. And they're 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 mad about words. And I'm like, you're like the people who stepped on the rap CDs or rap tapes in the 90s, you know, or Elvis was dancing and they're like, oh. Oh, this is inappropriate. Isn't that crazy? It's so weird. They don't even realize it, but they think they're doing the Lord's work and, and saving the world, but it's uh, you're just bumming everybody out. Well, I think the Lord's work is realizing that we are privileged to live in a country where you can say whatever the fuck you want <laughs> yeah. without threaten of, you know, threatening, threatening like terrorist attack or whatever. But you know what I mean? Yeah. You can have your jokes. You can have your entire set. And we have a place where we can be free to have that yeah. and to process it how we desire instead of trying to shut somebody up because that's what our country was built on was freedom of speech. Yeah. And yeah. you should be able to say that shit and it'd be funny and that be okay that it's funny and not judge somebody for laughing at something that's clutch your pearls. Oh right. my God. That's and they're so allowed stupid. to hate it. That's their free speech. 100%. But my thing is when you call me a homophobe or whatever, at least I was joking. You're serious. Exactly. You know? I'm like, so who's who's the mean one here? It's like your joke where she said you look like a serial killer and you said she looked easy. I, yeah, you look easy. And she's like, what the hell? And I'm like, you called me a murderer. Right? <laughs> and you look like a fun lady. But see, that's something that you go, oh, now I should think about how uh -huh. I think about right. women. Right? If I, if I think about her, she looks like a slut. Well, that's possible. But if she, if I, as a woman, think of he looks like a serial killer, that's just as bad. Yeah. It's just as bad. Or way worse. Or if, way worse. Because also, I'm there. I'm like, hey, I, you exactly. look like slut, but I chose you. I'm here. I think comedy helps with all kinds of stuff like that. I love comedy. I'm oh, so yeah. glad that I married Bert and that uh, we'll date for a few months and then I'll never marry and we'll just be friends forever. I'm so glad that thought process didn't work out for me because I can't imagine my life not in comedy with Bert. And then now in the past few years, getting to know you and Shane Torres and uh, Jesus Trejo and mm. all these other great comics and Whitney. And, uh, you know, I would never be in this world without Bert. I have my set of friends that are all wonderful, regular people who mm. do regular stuff, which I would have found, but I never would have found comics. Yeah. I was never in that world. Hell yeah. It's such a rich world of, of great creativity. It's really cool. And you've also, you've seen Bert and been around long enough that you, comedy, it's booming right now. It's huge. I wonder what that is. Because it, it's it's almost like kind of rock music kind of went away. And it feels like now comedy has jumped in and done those arenas and it's almost filled this this like party rebel vibe that people mm -hmm. are missing. I think so. I don't know what 
is causing it, but yeah. it's really awesome. It's awesome, and I hope it doesn't. I asked Bert. We were at uh, the Gorge, and I was like, "Man, we are in a boom! Look at these, you know, thousands of screaming fans." It's Stavros walks out, ah, you know, uh-huh. Santino, ah, they're going. They all know everybody, and I'm like, "This is incredible." I hope it doesn't go away. And he goes, "It's not going away." I don't he think it that. is. I don't so. think it is anytime soon. All right, everything I hope so. ebbs and flows. Sure, just like the the um, stand up comic driven comedies of the '90s that had their moment. Yeah. That moment was a long moment, right? But it, it still was a moment. True. So it at some point it might slow down a bit, but I don't think it's coming soon. It'll be for a while. Well, let's get that money and uh, that fan base while we can. Exactly, and anybody who has not watched your special Soup to Nuts on Netflix should watch it because it is. Awesome. Here, here, out of the horse's mouth. I love it. Horses. Horse's Sorry. mouth. One horse. Out of this horse's mouth. <laughs> there you go. Who's not shallow with her pussy? Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. Such a good special. I'm oh, so thanks. happy for you. Appreciate it. Well, now it's this bittersweet thing where it did pretty well, and now people are coming out to see me, and I need new material. That's okay. So I've got to write that. Well, uh, one thing I know about you is you are an excellent writer. Oh, Jeez, so, come on. But it takes time. It does. It'll be here before you know it. All right. I appreciate the positivity. Thank you for coming on my podcast. Thanks thank for you. having me. Because I know you're going on Burt's now, so thank you for coming to mine first. This is great. Yeah. <laughs> Did you have fun? This is great. Yeah, good talk. And I feel like I know you better. Well, I feel like I know you better. And I said this all through Fully Loaded. I, I don't know if I ever said it to you. I feel like you're my little brother. <laughs> I feel like I've known it. you so long yeah. that you're like my little brother. And it was so nice to talk to your parents. Oh, that was weird. It was weird? Well, my parents are weird. You know, you just don't, the worlds are colliding. You know, parents. That and, would be uh, weird. Comedy coming together. It was a lot to process. It was like a drag queen stealing a bike back. You know? <laughs> well, your parents love you very, very much. Oh, yeah. That was obvious. And they're really proud of you. Good parents. And that was obvious. And that they really nice. like May. And yep. that was obvious. And you guys were, you guys really were so nice to them, which I appreciated. Oh, of course. Of course, I don't they want to meet anybody's parents, you know. But so. I am still waiting on my cookbook from your mom. I have oh to say. <laughs> shit! I'll, I'll crack the whip. I'll I'm get on that. Just kidding. <laughs> anyway, thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. This was a pleasure and a delight. <laughs> Comedy. You got